I've missed us maybe for too long. My name is Matthew Kroll. And to dare is to lose one's footing momentarily, and to not dare is to lose oneself. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Another Round. Ah, uh, good sir. Shall we? I guess. Well, guess what? Hey, everyone, guess what the theme is today? Alcohol. No, no, it's not alcohol. It's 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 uh, libations. It's uh, it's salutations. It's uh, sharing of affection between friends uh, with uh, inebriants uh, that lubricate no. the voice. No, no, <laughs> none no. of those things. It's no, all of well, those things. Some of those things, but those are. You know what? You know when you say all those words. You know what it feels like to me. What excuses? Excuses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, listen. Uh, weirdly enough, so th- th- this movie obviously has a lot to do with drinking, and we will get into it. Um, but Shahir brought up uh, the idea, and Shahir, by the way, you don't drink often. No, I don't. I don't. I don't really partake. Uh, but but yeah, I do talk you, like this all the time. So make yeah. of that what you will. You, uh, in fact, have, uh, you were like, oh, we should, we were I, we were just sort of joking around about what we should do in the episode, like, oh, we should make drinks for the episode, and I was like, okay, so I went around Queens and tried, and got the um, the ingredients for uh, a Sazerac, like mm. in the film, Yeah. and I gotta say, let me let me tell you about this adventure, the, the rye whiskey and the bitters, no problem, lemon, sugar cube, all that jazz, nailed it, right? Mm-hmm. Nowhere in Queens sells absinthe. I went to three different liquor stores. Yeah. I ended up using one of those, like, that born in COVID, like, order your booze. And oh, I got Drizzly I ordered... or something like that? This, yeah, This yeah, episode yeah. is not brought to you by Drizzly, by the no, way. No, and I got a bottle of absinthe in, like, 20 minutes. Really? <laughs> yeah. It now... was blazing fast. <laughs> now, uh, uh, wait, we should also advise people that uh, alcohol, uh, al- excessive levels of alcohol consumption is very dangerous, and you should not uh, take anything that we're about to do as an endorsement of drinking at all. No. Uh, if anything, this is a social psychological experiment, much like the contents of Thomas Winterberg's film. Um, but... Um, explains me uh, absinthe uh, as, as far as I understand like I know very little about absinthe but the the real absinthe with wormwood is illegal right yeah it's not it's it's illegal in the US we have something different or maybe it's not anymore I don't even know it's legal anymore I mean everyone's getting away with tax crimes I'm sure someone's got real <laughs> absinthe on the on the blood but, a- but like- absinthe is a hallucinogen as well as a uh um, because I remember reading, I, I can't remember the author, but someone would talk about um, the Green Fairy. Um, it might have been Fitzgerald or something like that. Yeah, and then they use it in Moulin Rouge and a bunch yeah, of Yeah, in Moulin stuff. Rouge, they actually have literally the Green Fairy. Yeah, and there's Green Fairy on the bottle and like all that yeah. stuff. Listen, I, I'm not an expert on absinthe. I yeah. got, you know, some baseline absinthe <laughs> thing. But, um, but I really do like absinthe, even the American bastardized version, because I love the taste of black licorice. And that is what it tastes like in spades. Okay, fair um, enough. So I made uh, my very first Sazerac. I'm not a mixologist. I'm not good at cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when I did it and I followed the instructions uh, to the letter, it did not look good. Um, <laughs> Wait, and did, then did you I, follow the instructions that were in the movie? Uh, for the most part. Right. Um, but then I I started modding it a little bit. I haven't tried it yet. I'm going to try it right now. We're going to see how this cheers. goes. Let's, cheers. So Great. I have a uh, a blackberry mint julep, which my wife made. Um, mm. She is not a mixologist, but she is a scientist. And so I trust everything that she, the way she puts together. She's also a great chef. So, um, sure. Yeah, she can cook. She can that cook. Is, I, I, at, for the times I've been over to, at dinner, uh, you know, in the before times, uh, it has always blown my mind. Uh, so, yes, I, I will second that endorsement. Also, 
I'd made a banging Sazerac. This thing is delicious. It's pure alcohol, but it is, it's good. Oh yeah, you like it? I, I was not prepared. <laughs> uh, that shouldn't be as tasty as it is. All right. Wow. Well, so so like Mads Mikkelsen's character in this film, Martin, when he takes a drink of the Sazerac and he he kind of like sputters in almost a joyous ecstasy and says, "What is this? Is that is that kind of the concoction that you have right now?" I mean, I guess. Whereas mine just tastes like um, a really nice fizzy drink, which is great because my yeah. wife understands my palate. Now we'll I, we will have to we will trust me, listeners. We will get to the movie. Write us in at only movie podcast if you get annoyed by our, by our gentle sides, which uh, postpone the start of the movie. And we will have one more email as well. Please email us in again at onlymoviepodcast at gmail But you can uh, let us know those things. We're not going to stop. We're doing not going to stop doing it. But you we'll can just let tell you know us. when the movie when the movie part starts. Yeah, yeah. We course, always right. like doing that. <laughs> But um, um, I I stopped drinking probably around the age of 25. Uh, I'm not going to date myself, but it was quite a while ago. Um, <laughs> and the reason 400 I stopped, <laughs> years ago. I'm so old. Uh, but the reason I stopped drinking was not like... There was no like malaise involved. Um, I wasn't an excessive drinker to begin with. Um, and... I really like I remember the moment where I started thinking about the idea of not drinking, which was that I used to play basketball and there was this one basketball player that I would play against really big guy and he was a great player. And um, normally after our basketball games, we would have a beer at the pub afterwards. And when we were having a, like I noticed when we were sitting around, he would order a Coke and I was just like, well, what, you know, is there you know, the reason you didn't order a beer, everyone's having a beer. And he was like, look, I just don't like the taste of alcohol. And it was like, at that moment, there was like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, oh, wait, that's an option. You know, and I was like, and I realized then that all the reasons I drink out, I, I started drinking alcohol and that I had drunk alcohol was because it felt like it was the thing to do. And when I stopped to think about it, I was like, I don't actually really like the taste of any alcohol. Like I don't huh. enjoy a beer. I don't enjoy wine. And, and then I was like, oh, okay. And so I stopped. And then I never started again. Yeah. yeah it was well, just so th one of those things. It's funny. This podcast actually cut back on my drinking. Because uh, for those who have followed me for a little bit, uh, if there is anybody who has actually followed, <laughs> followed whatever we'll call my air quotes career uh, for long enough, email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. If you were a fan of the old school old SNMR days where we used to drink till the movie's good, uh, one shot being the best, five being the worst, because the worse the, worse the movie is, the more you need the shots. Me and Steve Buja used to... Uh, rate movies with shots when in our twenties. You made me drink a few of those shots, and I I, I did not do well. Uh, well, yeah, well, when when you, we had guests or whatever, no one makes you. It's it's up to you. Uh, and by the way, everybody, you have the choice to choose what you put in your own body. Um, but uh, but then when we just then then one day she hears like, hey, want to do a podcast? I was like, oh, do we have to rate it with alcohol? And he's like, no. And I was and then then a light bulb went off for me. And <laughs> then, like, we don't, wait, you don't have to like, podcast. Drunk? Oh, oh, okay. But, All right. Um, I, you know, it's interesting, too. Uh, the social aspect of it is is I never drink alone. I, I don't know why that is, and it's probably more to your point. Um, th this, talking through a Zoom and having a, a beverage, is the closest I think I come. But, like, if I'm home, it's water or uh, – I used to drink soda. I don't even drink soda much anymore. I have a ginger beer a week. 
Right. Yeah. Which I is not alcoholic. You know what I have? What I what I'm putting We're into my body. We're old as is, hell. Yeah. You know what I'm putting into my body that is not good is coffee. I didn't used to drink coffee up coffee. until the last couple of years, and yeah. then. Uh, and, and like, it's not the coffee itself. It's more the ritual of going, like, it's gotta be a coffee shop coffee. I want to go to a coffee shop and get a coffee that is like mostly milk and frothiness and, and sugar. And you know, like, it's not really, I'm not there for the coffee. It's the ritual of getting up and doing something. One of my buddies in LA just dropped so much money on an espresso machine. And I was like, what the, what are you doing? And he's like, okay, I drink two espressos a day. Do the math. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, you win. All right. Before we get into the movie itself, I just want to, I just want to shout out my wife again who made this uh, blueberry mint julep. And a second ago, while you were talking, she knocked on the door and has presented me with a second cocktail. Um, What is it? I'm not sure. I think she's. Can she away. come in and describe it? No, she walked away because uh, I was taking too long. But I believe it is a chocolate martini, which is what she Damn. made for me last night while I while I was watching the movie. Because she was like, "I want to experiment with some cocktails." Um, so when for we're person- all vaccinated, I'm coming over. <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, when, um, like, like I say, for a person who doesn't drink alcohol, these two drinks combined will be the most I've drunk in a single sitting, probably in five years. Well, that we are definitely not following the mantra, at least at the beginning of what these characters were doing. Um, not at all. Uh, this will be an interesting discussion just to see uh, perhaps, and I, one of the other suggestions I had was that we should have measured our blood alcohol level during the conversation to see how it, uh, how it changed as we, as we got further along. Uh, but those were expensive. <laughs> neither of us could afford or wanted to afford a breathalyzer to, to conduct said experiment um, based on uh, Finn, Finn Skirads, I believe is his name is, Finn Skirads, um, a hypothesis with yes. uh, that uh, human beings are born with uh, 0.5 too low of blood alcohol. I believe that's the theory. Anyway, sure. <laughs> uh, one last bit of thing is this, that we had a nice email from uh, Stephen on The Father. Uh, I don't think I can see The Father, so I appreciate you reviewing it. He's basically saying he didn't see the movie, but appreciates us doing it. Thanks, but, but this is the story that I really like here. Uh, also, Anthony Hopkins lost my phone, so there's that. In the late 90s, we were interviewing him on top of a Welsh mountain he had bought... <laughs> A Welsh mountain he had bought and donated to conservation. This this story, <laughs> Stephen, just went off the fucking rails. <laughs> he bought a mountain? After the interview, using my phone as a mix minus link to the studio, he asked if he could make a call. I said sure and carried on getting shots of the mountain. With the call done, Sir Anthony Hopkins put the, put the phone down somewhere on the mountain in the rain, and as it was silent, we couldn't find it. I loved that phone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So wow. Hannibal Lecter, the elephant man uh, himself. Uh, but more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, he just like the character mountain? in the film, in the character, you know, he lost he lost the phone. Right, and he probably accused him of having uh, of having uh, uh, lost it himself. Oh, man. Anthony when, Hopkins, when if you're out there. Art. Uh, if you're out there and you're listening, you owe one of our listeners a phone. You can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com to donate the funds to do so or uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, he's on TikTok, so maybe we should try him there. Maybe. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Have you watched uh, Anthony Hopkins on TikTok? No, I don't I do not do TikTok. Oh, really? It uh, is. Do you do TikTok? I mean, uh, I have a TikTok. We're like 100. Yeah, I am. I am the oldest millennial on TikTok. Um, no, Anthony Hopkins has a TikTok account, and it is delightful. <laughs> You know what's funny about getting older? Sorry. Now, what's the deal okay. with that? Well, another we're, aside. We're talk- Let's hold do on. We're talking about we're talking about uh, you know all of these things and how we're we're too old for this stuff. I literally just saw 
our old boss, Shahir. Cohen? Uh, Cohen, yeah. Uh, <laughs> pop up. On TikTok? <laughs> pop up. Uh, no, not on TikTok, but I saw as we were talking, James Cohen's name popped up of MTV fame. It, it, he popped up and he's playing a game called Outriders on Steam. And oh. I was like, we're, we're old, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you can get us on all the socials, including Steam, apparently. Uh, Matt, could you tell us about Thomas Vinterberg's film, Another Round? I can. Why not? Four friends, all high school teachers, test a theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. I mean, hilarity ensues? I guess. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go first. All right. Um, I, I didn't really like this movie. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. No, no judgments here. Uh, uh, tell me it, more, Maestro. It just didn't connect with me. I, I, I can I remember more of this experience of me being like I, I remember more of me experiencing me experience watching it rather than like watching it. Was this like, another one of your seven AM movies? No, it was not. I watched this on a clear headed uh Monday evening. Okay. Uh with no alcohol in my system. Maybe that was the problem. Okay. Um but <sighs> it's not that here's the thing. It's not that I thought it was bad or that I didn't like it. I just, nothing in it connected with me, and it's through lines. Well, that's not, no, that's not entirely true. Not enough connected with me. And the through line of the alcohol thing uh, was so, the first word that comes to my mind, and it's not the correct one, it's ludicrous, that I was like, I, remember when, at the beginning of this, I was like, oh, those all sound like excuses. I was like, when, the second I saw, and this is just my mentality, this is m me judging movie characters, I was like, this is an excuse to drink all the time. Right, like, and I like, and I get it that there were moments about the characters and their friendships and their interactions with their loved ones and their jobs and etc. And there, there were moments like that, but this just felt like slowly watching a train. You know exactly where it's going, <laughs> and then I don't want to spoil anything until we get to spoilers. But like a neat little ending, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't like, and it, it's made very well. Um, obviously, Mads. Um, Mads Mikkelsen is is phenomenal. The other three gentlemen whose names escape me at the current moment, uh, I like I liked their sort of four kin friendship. Mm -hmm. um, I I I enjoyed how it was shot. I enjoyed pretty much like the technical aspects of it. I thought it was very it was a very good good looking and sounding film. Mm -hmm. um, and I I can't wait to sort of talk through it a little bit more because I remember after it I was like, huh, I should have liked that more. Hmm. And and I don't know. Why exactly? Okay. Uh, well, so maybe we can explore that. Yeah, we can explore that in some detail. In in many ways, I think some of my some of my thoughts on this film mirror some of yours, which is that I think the resonance of 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 what the central conceit of the film is mileage may vary, but. I, I agree with you that Mads Mikkelsen's character is um, quite—it's—it's it's quite a masterful performance in that Mads Mikkelsen has this ability to kind of, you know, spin language in quite beautiful ways. You know, mm -hmm. particularly if you watch Hannibal or um, or uh, the um, James Bond villain, um, but um, uh, among many things. Um, but in here, he's entirely sullen and downward and like prone to weeping in the, at the slightest moments. And so the, I think for me, the first viewing was, um, there was several attempts to like try and catch, to latch onto the character, which were, you know, mixed, but I, but I, I generally found it to be 
a well considered film. And I, I, I am a fan of Thomas Vinterberg. Um, I, I've, you know, his film um, Fiston is probably one of the the great. You know, it's probably the best Dogma '95 film that was ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, his last film with uh, Mads Mikkelsen, also a, cr- a crazy, incredible performance from from uh, from Mads Mikkelsen, is uh, The Hunt, uh, which is a, a th- that is an extraordinary movie, by the way. So if, if you can check it out. Um, I think, though, uh, Vinterberg, you know, who teams up with Zotropa Films and this, which is Lars von Trier's company, um, Vinterberg and Lars von Trier have like a really, well, von Trier in particular, for me, has this amazing ability to take a sort of high concept central conceit like this, like, Mm -hmm. you know, how can, you know, like what happens if you maintain a blood alcohol level um, for every day and really interrogate the idea through through their films. I think a film like... um, Dancer in the Dark, for example, from Von Trier, or even The Idiots, which is another Dogma '95 film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Idiots is basically what if we acted? What if people acted um, like they were mentally deficient all day? Like, could you form a society around the idea of just being uh, ridiculous? Um, mm. I think th- there is a, a much more thorough interrogation of ideas like that in Von Trier's films, um, and I was expecting th- there to an extent there is that in this movie, but I think. What comes out of this movie, and what I what I got out of it a second time around, another round, uh, <laughs> was <laughs> another another round, another round is the kind of as the odd sense of joy for living that this film has, despite the depths of darkness that it that it tends to go towards, and despite the sort of like lack of interrogation of the storylines, and I, there is there is a particular storyline that involves um, Annika. Um, Martin's wife that I felt like could have been explored a lot further in this film and and really wasn't and despite all of that I really was latched on to Martin throughout this film and his journey through the kind of depression and highs and reclaiming of his life and and sort of um, re-energizing that he gets through this experiment to the eventual sort of downfall that he has from it um, to that magnificent ending that I think everyone has you know talked about mm-hmm. and, and and you know is, is quite a uh, is easy to see on online um, so there, there, there's a sort of odd response to this one which is that I appreciate the joyousness of it all um, despite thinking that I think despite feeling that it could be interrogated further um, if I mean, that makes sense. Sure. The, well, the, the conceit of the film, the like, oh, this study says that we should do this and we should do it for academic principles and everything like that. Like that just, that feels like the falsest part of this movie. Like what the characters are going through feels real to me. Yeah, uh, of course. But the conceit of it, but like, there, there's, I actually have written in my notes, uh, I have something I wrote, Really quick jump to drinking all the time. Mm. And I remember it just, like, it started as the experiment, Mm. right? They're going to, oh, they're going to do this thing. And then they just go hard. (laughs) Like, and and I was thinking, like, these are four supposedly intelligent adult men. And I was like, and the second that they flipped the switch from, like, I think they only, like, did the, the, the actual bit of the experiment. And then they're like, oh, we'll just change the experiment. Like, what if we keep going up with the number? We yeah. have to know. It's like, no, you fucking don't. The original experiment was to see if you could keep your blood alcohol content at .05 higher than usual or whatever. <laughs> like, and then they just didn't do that after the first 10 minutes of the film. And I was like, 
that's when I, I kind of got off the train of the drinking story. Right. But it's still like every time it came back, I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, but, like, but it is meant to be like... I don't, you watch this and this is four men in their middle, you know, like middle age of their life, all kind of uh, going through a midlife crisis in some way. And so the conceit of doing the blood alcohol experiment is clearly just a way to do something to kick them out of their their funks. All of them are experiencing uh, a sense of a midlife crisis. And I guess, but like it just, it. This is what this is what maybe I don't know. I might be latching onto this too hard, but like I was expecting them to by the end of it, someone was going to admit that it wasn't about the study, and no one admits that it wasn't about the study. Like the study I, just goes away. Yeah, and 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 I was sort of like, okay, I I, like, I guess maybe yeah, and and that's the kind of von Trier thing that I'm talking about, which you know, like he does really well which is that they interrogate the study to its fullest extent sometimes obnoxiously so but you know like the film really interrogates whatever the central conceit is um a a great example is dancer in the dark for example which is like what if a musical was really sad and then like you know proceed to like make to just keep really going with it and commenting about it um uh, but like the characters, what the characters were going through yeah. was felt very relatable. The coach with uh, with specs, Tommy, uh, Tommy, uh, and um, and uh, the the I think the youngest of the group who was kind of married to the uh, rich woman with the two Nikolai? kids who wet the bed. Yep, yeah. Nikolai, and then what was it, Peter? Yeah. Um, so like. Like all of their stories were interesting, mm. and there's something about sort of reclaiming their trying to reclaim something and have this sort of midlife crisis, but I don't know. Like, I, I think it, the issue that I have is that the film, yeah, again, doesn't really fully explore the the limits of this experiment and how it relates to their actual lives. Like, so when Annika, I guess we're going to go into spoilers here. Sure. Um, uh, when Annika and Martin split up, we're sort of left wondering what the reasons were. And then we realize at some point she had been having an affair um, because, uh, you know, Martin had, had been kind of, you know, depressed. He's, a, he's or, an absentee. Yeah, he's withdrawn sort of a for, for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But, I, but you don't really feel the extent of um, why they separated very fully in this film. And then when they reunite at the end, you're sort of at a, you know, because you're always sort of one half step back behind on that relationship story, it feels a little soft you know similarly um Nikolai's story with his wife and the you know and like feeling overwhelmed by the children um in the house just kind of you know it just eventually sort of resolves itself uh, Peter finds new love and of course Tommy meets his ultimate demise because ultimately for Tommy I think um the 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 experiment rekindles uh probably some latent alcoholism he had um and and you know he is obviously in a much worse place than than um than uh, the other characters, he's divorced, living alone, um, and and obviously not uh, having a good time in life. Um, uh, oddly, Tommy in this film reminds me so much of Tommy from Train Spotting, who is also a character mm-hmm. who's like dragged into the the sort of exploits of their friends and ultimately kind of uh, uh, demises because of it. Um, so there, I I can certainly see the criticism, but I I think I I, I did appreciate the kind of ridiculous joyousness of it all. And then there is another story to this, um, which I think, you know, um, we should mention briefly because it, it is being mentioned as, it, as the film is um, uh, 
uh, been nominated for for best uh, foreign film, and Vinterberg himself has been nominated for best director. Um, is the is the story of the fact that that Vinterberg, uh, his daughter passed away just as they started filming, and he continued to work on the film as a form of therapy for him for himself. Mm. And I guess part of me watching it through the lens of someone who is experiencing uh, a sort of Un, you know, kind of unimaginable, unimaginable tragedy, yeah. and working through it as they're making the film, and as you know, what we're watching is kind of a document to that. Feels surprisingly joyous about it, you know, like in a way that is exuberant. Like when you when you watch it, and with that sort of in mind, um, the film has this kind of power as a testament to like the power, you know, like the joy of life. And yeah. and I guess there's another part of me that also really likes the likes that the film isn't not um no, what's the word I'm looking for? Not <laughs> condescending, but not not sort of like it doesn't have a diatribe about alcoholism. It is really like alcohol is uh, a social norm in Denmark as it is in many countries and the film um says that is both a good and a bad thing. And it does it doesn't really seem to like take a stance one way or the other on that. You know, like there's no like well, elaborate. I mean, none of the, well, it all depends. One character dies, like. Yeah, character dies. Uh, but they're still drinking at the end of the movie, and there's a joy to the, to the, to the celebration. I guess, I, you know what it is? I, I wonder if maybe, maybe the fact, uh, and I, now I'm just reaching, and I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why I couldn't connect. Hit me, Tom Cruise. Um. Jack Reacher, uh, by the way. Wh- what? <laughs> I said hit. to reach, to connect, to hit. To... Not everything is Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it would be better, I guess, if it was, if he wasn't weird. Jack Reacher. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, I think. The... So they both treat alcohol like it's no big deal. But also, like it's the hardest drug on the planet, like, like, like the Sazerac scene is ridiculous, and I mean, not it like no, it's ridiculous. Like this drink is a lot of alcohol, yes, but like when when they took their first sip, like I was like, oh wow, this is really tasty. They acted like they just did a rail. <laughs> like I was like, is there cocaine in this Sazerac that but you're drinking? I think they are. They are making it the poss- the strongest possible drink, and they they do describe it as like we are going to go all the way right now. This is the part of the experiment where we're going all the way. I just made the drink. Yeah, it is no. A but drink. did you did you put as much alcohol as they yes, did? Yes, a Sazerac is all alcohol. There's no like. <laughs> there's nothing else in it. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a sugar cube and some bitters, which I think bitters might have alcohol in them. I yeah. don't know. Oh, and a lemon peel, <laughs> like orange peel in the movie by the way uh, yeah yeah i didn't have one so i improvised but my <laughs> maybe point it's the, is, maybe it's the lemon that's like maybe uh, that's dude that's what swish it yeah but my point is you're right they don't take a hard stance on alcohol but they also make it like because two two reasons one they go zero to 60 and like they might as well be part of don uh toretto's family because for those for that quarter mile they're free uh they go so fast and furious from like hey let's try to maintain a nice light buzz to make sure we we perform better to like woo! <laughs> like so so there's that sort of like thing that's that, that sort of like dragon on your back and then the sazerac scene i was like 
when are they going to start doing heroin? I was like, what is happening? Like, it didn't, it didn't feel real. Right. And yeah, so, there, so there, this, this is what it is. I got it, maybe. Okay. The, right. the, the journey the characters go on, separate from, like, the alcoholism or the alcohol that they consume, and a lot of them are alcoholics or, or have alcohol, I don't know. There's alcoholic a, tendencies, yeah. Alcoholic tendencies. I can't speak to that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about it. I, you know, I, I don't want to quote anything about that particularly. But th- their lives outside of alcohol, even though alcohol is a catalyst for those moments, feels real. Right. Every time they're 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 drinking and like talking about it and like making a huge deal, it feels weird. What? Well, how? How so? Like, it elaborate. doesn't feel like real characters or people anymore because hmm. because, and, and and or maybe just to me, right? Because I've never had anyone in my entire life from when I was I didn't start drinking until I was twenty two. Okay. So, but I watched. I saw people drink. My friends in high school drank. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and his buddy had some beers. Like they're, they're you know, there's just the one alcohol. time. <laughs> yeah, just just the one time. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It was such. A, it was a magical night. Yeah. Um, th- but like. So I've been around. I've been around alcohol most of my life. Yeah. Um, actually, and I've also not been around. Like my mother doesn't drink. Right. So like, there's there's sort of a whole bunch of stuff there, right? This might explain so a I've, lot about our relationship, by the way. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, so so since I've been around alcohol all my life, <clears throat> I don't really even for me, uh, it it never had the reverence. I think. Right. That that this movie gives it. And that felt odd to me. Now, granted, people have different experiences, hmm. and maybe that's why this mileage doesn't go for me because my experience doesn't mirror this. And I know that it can, yeah. but just the way that it was presented, maybe w- it mixed with my own experiences with alcohol, I, I didn't, I, I, it didn't make sense to me. And when, I, when the movie stopped making sense, that's when like. I, I, every time they went back, it would knock me off the train. And then when there'd be a, a beautiful scene between, you know, uh, Annika and Martin, like they go camping or even afterward in the kitchen, like there's there's moments where I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I care about this this th- these people. Let's see let's see how this goes. But then when they go back, it's like, okay, now we're trying point one two, and I'm I don't care. Like this is stupid. Like <laughs> I, I don't. I I, I I think I saw the acceleration of their. Of their experiment, kind of going accordingly, you know, like which is that, which is that, when they when they do the zero point five, which is admittedly, I think, quite a high level of alcohol, um, they they suddenly re- reclaim some joy in their life, like their teaching suddenly goes well. Um, Matt, you know, Martin starts to like connect with his family again. He loosens up. Yeah, he loosens up. Uh, you know, like Tommy feels joy uh, when he's coaching again. Um, Everyone kind of seems to get, you know, like feel, sense of, uh, a sense of reclaiming their lives, and then they 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 say, "Well, what happens if we go?" You know, like like I think Martin says, "What? I think there's really something to this. What if we try it a little bit further?" You know, but and that's stupid because every listen. But let me explain this. You you hit the nail on the head. I think for me, right okay. there. The experiment is keep your blood alcohol low. And look, oh my God, your life is getting better. You're a little looser. You're enjoying your job more. Holy shit, this is actually working. No sane person not being addicted to a substance would go and be like, oh, this is working great. You know what probably would work better? More of it. Like, yeah, because I, then it loses the thread. But that is the absurd, like, that is the, the, the experiment itself is inherently absurd, right? Like, it is silly. Sure, but, but and, okay, okay. And yes, the acceleration yes, 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 of it is equally this silly. Is it. This is it. This, this is, is it. it. This yes. Is it. This yes. is the final okay. word. So, so, 
The experiment itself, of course, is silly. We understand that, right? Mm-hmm. But what's what? And so I can even get through that in the film. Here's where it it bucks me hard. <laughs> they do this with a little bit of alcohol, and they see their lives get better. Mm-hmm. Their lives are better now, right? But, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, right, so, right. so, 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 why? Drink harder when everything that in these men in their 40 plus years on the earth each has told them like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be drunk at work because that won't go well. Right. Like, like they, they, but, they but get I, to the you... results. They get to the results they want. Yeah. And then they're like, nah, bro, hold my beer and I, go I, further. Are you? And it are made you no con- sense. Are you confused by addiction? But here's the question. Are they addicts? I think I think the film is bringing up the, the certainly in the case of Tommy. Um, One of them definitely ha- is, and, and I think the, the sort of tendencies of alcohol addiction tum- come up throughout this film, and you know that that scene with the um, with the Cesarec drink is kind of the escalation point where they decide to go all in. Like it just it doesn't seem unrealistic to me that 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 if you're you know, like we've all been on on drunken nights where we're like we're really happy and we're like, what if we just go a little bit further, right? Like we've all done that. Right, but that's a that's a that's a night. This is this is a weird thing. And but, again, but I, I, the, the experiment is ridiculous, and they are they're basically doing the one night thing every day, right? Maybe that's where it bucks. Listen, I, I've had I've had um, and, and and this is not no experience as a monolith, right? Yeah. I don't know how much uh, alcoholism you've dealt with with your friends or your family. I've dealt with a decent amount, um, so I I know what some elements of it look and feel like and again none of this felt like anything i had exp- like everything just felt everything felt like a little bit bizarro world <laughs> and and it it hurt my experience of taking it seriously that's that that's um, I, I, I won't dismiss that um so and, and that's why i think I, I i sort of wrote off the wrote off the line here and again every time we went back to a character moment, god the moment with fucking Tommy and that little kid Specs, and like uh, when Specs fucking destroys, speaks. he <laughs> destroys on the the baseball field. Yeah, like I was just like on the on, this the, is... on the soccer field. Oh, it's soccer. Excuse me. The uh, Danish yeah. neighbors might be offended. <laughs> uh, uh, it was it was so nice. It was joyous, right? That, that it was, was the thing. Joyous. Yeah, there was like and... a joyous ecstasy to it. And then like when Specs takes his hand as they're singing, yeah. I was like, I was like in. Like you know, like a single tear flowed down my cheek. Yeah, you know, no, like I, I, I got emotional. Thing. I got emotional anytime that Specs was dealing <laughs> Spix with is either. Specs was really the MVP. The MVP of this whole film. This little kid with with glasses who was all picked on during his games, and <laughs> he did a, a a super goal, and then everyone loved him. And it was from it was because of the coach. It was because of Tommy. <laughs> I, I love. Um, I, I'm glad that Tommy didn't do what Peter does at the end of the film, which is give his student a little bit of alcohol. I'm glad Specs didn't like endure that. I was I was I was relieved about that. <laughs> That, so you know what's interesting? That was a moment hmm. where I was like, the movie felt like it was on the rails again. Huh. Oh, back on the rails. Back on the rails. Okay. Um, the the alcoholism, um, again, not every I, – I, I hate talking about it because I don't want to be like, well, my experiences are the way it goes. Right. Like that's not how this fucking works. Right. Um, but is a – you know, can be a um, – before it becomes a chemical addiction, it can be a taught thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it can be passed down, etc. And I saw a lot of that 
I saw a lot of that in, in that moment. And again, it's not to a, a, a family member or anything, but like, yes, is he helping that kid in that moment? Yep, 100%. He did. He passed his test. He was super anxious and, you know. But that is a solution that will bear the fruit of more problems for that kid possibly down Potentially, the line. or it may not. You know, like, that's a, that's that's the thing. It may or it may mean, not. Like, those I kids mean, are drinking anyway. It's not, right. it's not that he's, he's not introducing him to alcohol. He's just introducing him in the wrong context, right? I get, like, and that's, maybe that's what it is, like. Like, oh, the man. first scene is them all doing the crate run, the late crate run, which is. Drunk, drunk games and things like that, like, they're, they're, it's weird. Maybe, this might be my own unpacking. Maybe this is too much into my own psyche, but, like, drinking hard as long as you're of age and a consenting adult. And your life is your business, right. and if you're not hurting anybody, um, so like running around doing the lake drinking games, etc. Uh, you know that's all cool for for whatever you want to do. But like when you when you are a educator, and you're bringing it into another pla- into the place of education, and and th- that's a weird that's a weird enabling action. That's not he's not right, like introducing him, like have you heard of this thing called beer? Like that's not <laughs> what it is. Yeah. But like he's 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 making it okay for that to happen. Did it help the the young kid in in that moment? Yeah, he was less nervous, and apparently he passed or whatever. Yeah, so like more cool. about Kierkegaard at that moment. Yeah, but at the same time, it kind of – and I know the movie's not about this other stuff, but again, I'm seeing it from a a larger thing. Like, there are other ways to help people with anxiety than be like, here, just drink this vodka. Like, But would that be this movie, though? No, but I think that's why I don't connect with this movie. Right. So like, yeah, no, that's and that's and that's fine. I I, yeah. I get that. And in fact, the thing about this movie that kind of uh, it reminded me of is I don't know if you ever read um, the eighty year Harvard story. The eighty no. year. Uh, what is so, this? So Harvard University, there's, there's a great uh, TED talk about this, and then you can actually read some of the findings here. Harvard University, I think in 1920 uh, or 1930, uh, decided that they would track. Over the course of their entire lives, I think I can't remember how many students it was, like a, a, a huge number of students, and basically, you know, basically record their lives and data points from their lives over the for the for the entirety of their lives. And the the study has extended, where they have um, uh, started following their kids. I believe JFK was one of the participants. Uh, the Washington it's Post, just, yeah, it's the, just Clone High. What is... <laughs> it's Harvard, uh, and it's funny. There's a, there's a joke made about the fact that uh, they also at the same time uh, found uh, uh, men who were um, who were uh, in dire poverty and followed them as well. They wanted to like they wanted to model predictions of behavior and see if they could predict who had the most fulfilling, whose lives went off the rails. Uh, what were the what were the indicators about that? And they they published their studies, I think, in two thousand and nine. Um, they're really fascinating. Now, of course, there's there's a couple of um, inherent biases that were brought into the study. First of which is that uh, the uh, when they started the study in 1930s, only men were admitted into Harvard, and so ergo the the people that they followed were only men. Um, uh, women have been uh, brought into the study now, but of course, you know, like this is all um, part of the inherent biases of the sto- uh, of what had happened. Um, the int- the their findings were that the the most prevalent indicator of uh, a happy octogenarian um, was not your health, um, but the most prevalent indicator 
was the strength of your social relationships. Yep. Um, people who tended to be lonely earlier on had far severe health problems later in life uh, versus people who had more fulfilled relationships uh, early on were, uh, you know, w- would have better lives uh, as, uh, as they got into their old age. And then this was the, uh, but I recall this because again, I, you know, chose not to drink and so it was this finding sort of a validated some things that i thought about but but was really interesting was that that they found that one of the biggest determiners of um negative impact in an older person's life was alcohol consumption and the excess use of thereof and what their findings were alcoholism this is from the study alcoholism is a disorder of great destructive power alcoholism was the main cause of divorce between the grant study men and their wives strong correlations with neurosis and depression that tended to follow alcohol abuse rather than precede it and together with associated cigarette smoking was the single greatest contributor to their early morbidity and death in the case of happiness for men tracked over uh, their entire lives, the single detrimental factor they found was loneliness and alcohol. Um, and alcohol is one of the, the I think, the second or third um, most um, deadly uh, intoxicant, you know, like yeah. killer of well, people on the, on the planet. And uh, here's, here's the truth, I, I think. And this movie... I don't know if this movie does right by this truth. I, I I don't know. Maybe it does in certain ways and others it doesn't. It shows a lot of young people drinking hard and partying. Mm-hmm. I drank I drank hard and partied when I was younger in college. Again, I didn't drink till I was twenty. Drank hard and partied like a year ago at my place. I'm just kidding. I I, I wish. <laughs> um, no, like, but I will. And I I used to throw. I mean, I I probably. I'm just trying to sort of think of my own alcohol story. Mm-hmm. I probably drank pretty hard until I was maybe like early 30s, like maybe 30, 31. Um, Because I used to to have a place I could throw parties and like do crazy stuff. And like you've been to a few of those here back in the day. Like it was ridiculous. I don't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, well, uh, (laughs) there was a nice luge involved. Yeah. Um, But the, the, but then I sort of started not as much. And uh, and the the interesting thing sort of around that is uh, I I made it so my life was less socially around alcohol. Like the, the alcohol was not the the point, right? Like the the social moments that I had were not based around, oh, everyone's getting together to drink. It was everyone's together already and we might have a drink. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if as we get older, like you can kind of see it here, right? Like the kids are all drinking and most of them are fine. Mm -hmm. The adults start drinking. Well, there's there's much more at stake. Well, well, but but like the adults start drinking and it starts having... There's less bounce back time. There's there is more at stake, yeah, I guess. And, and like, your lives don't don't uh, in you know enable you to do the kind of like drinking where you can just sleep the next day. So my point my point kind of is I wonder is if you don't leave the ha- if you if you drink early in life and you don't leave the the habitualness sort of of it uh, for any reason mm. and you continue on later like no one's I, again I, this is a this is a blanket statement and maybe not true but like. I don't know, like, no one's having a ton of ragers at retirement homes. 
because uh, I mean, I mean, maybe they are. But I like, mean, did you watch Sideways? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, if these if these girls want to drink Merlot, we're drinking fucking Merlot. <laughs> um, but like, I can totally see how alcohol, as your life moves forward, hmm. how alcohol, based on the study you just described, can go from social lubricant to social isolator. Like, hmm. it makes sense to me. Right. Um, that was where I was trying to go with that thought. Right, um, and and I, I and I, these men in this film are like at the edge. Yeah, and and like it's funny because I'm the teetotaler in this in this discussion here, um, but but I, I I think the film doesn't place the film doesn't feel like purposely doesn't feel like misery porn about alcoholism because I think there's a there's an acceptance in the film that alcohol is a part of lifestyle culture it may actually be positive to an extent and and i think you know the film is kind of balancing that out with with the sort of uh, on the back of this absurd theory that the that the students have that the that the that they that the men have that their lives could be improved by it and but the thing is they know very well I think, which is why the experiment gets given up so quickly, that the that the notion that you need to live at a 0.5 alcohol blood, blood alcohol level is absurd. Even as um, even as Martin is explaining the distinctions between, you know, like the idea that Churchill's uh, alcoholism like contributed to his his uh, competency as a as a uh, as a commander, yeah. um, it, it's it's. It's ridiculous, but it's momentarily ridiculous, and it's filling a void that all these men have in their lives. But this is the thing. The movie doesn't even give it a chance to call it ridiculous. They just move on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all great, and then they just move on. Now, right. now, I, what I wanted, what I kind of wanted out of this, and I guess it says in a roundabout way, mm-hmm. is like, oh, yeah, maybe this is true. However, comma, but... It's impossible. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I kind of wanted that, and they they just sort of dropped that thread. Right, and and, uh, and that's the kind of thing I think you would get in a Von Trier film. Um, well, then get Von Trier over here. <laughs> Von Trier is, is is. I'll make him a Sazerac. I did not see the house that Jack built, but I I hear that's pretty far off the rails. Um, yeah, no, I I look, I I certainly there's a part of this that makes me that that again thinks that the idea isn't interrogated as fully as it could be and in terms of the detriments of of what could go wrong i think i feel like one thing that happens is the film doesn't give each character enough time to explore the depths of each character you know like there there isn't enough we, we sort of we sort of tertiarily get to know each of the characters and then we get to know each of their problems. And then there's a sort of schematic nature to which we're, we're jumping from one story to the next and the problems that each of them are facing and, and the resolutions thereof. Um, so I fully see that. I think what I, what I just appreciated though, which I think is evident in the final scene and in the scenes as they embrace the 0.5%, you know, 0.5 is the, the sort of sense, the spirited, nature of that it's not the it's not necessarily the i think it's 0.05 by the way 0.05 yeah you probably yeah don't drink maybe i I don't know (laughs) um is like the sort of reclaiming of one's own joy and if alcohol is the avenue to do that in this case i mean sure and and you know two or you know three of the characters kind of move on from that and kind of decide that this is not really how they should live their lives but they you know they continue to drink it's not like they completely reject it's not like um 
train spotting where um you know um where they they have to go cold turkey and then miss the high kind of thing they're just kind of like well no no we that was the thing we tried and it's a midlife crisis kind of thing you know like what i liked is when when martin goes on the hiking trip and they would cut to the inserts of like what the blood alcohol were at certain moments he was at zero um during the entire uh, sorry the canoeing trip you know this like, is what i loved about this movie like in the beginning and i was like okay this is interesting mm. was and maybe i'm more interested in the actual experiment than the film that's sort of talking around it yeah like, i think the film is sort of interested to an extent in yeah the and then it just drops it yeah. like but like i love that they're like hey listen we want to maintain this level because this is what the study says also that means no drinking on weekends yeah and, and no i was drinking like after 8 p.m yes and that is interesting to me mm. like and and it just drops it and yeah, i was I, like I, okay yeah i think yeah, as 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 we kind of alluded to i think that the the film is less interested in like pursuing the limits of the study as it is in the in the sort of moments you know like finding these moments of joy in these like little character moments which i think yeah. are beautiful you know like there is uh, vinterberg uh, you know uh again fiston is such an incredible movie about like it's about abuse and then reclaiming of one's life after abuse. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Dogma 95 film. So, so Vinterberg and, and Lars von Trier and a couple other filmmakers around that period, you know, like um, uh, made the, 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 the proclamation of Dogma 95, the idea that, you know, you couldn't film with camera lighting, situations had to be naturalistic, you know, dialogue had to be naturalistic. There was a whole bunch of rules about Dogma 95. Actually, I've got it in front of me right here, if anyone's interested. Um, <laughs> shooting must be done on location. The sound is never uh, must never be produced apart from the images or vice versa. So you can't be, uh, music must not be used unless it occurs in the scene in the shot. Camera's got to be handheld. You know, uh, when, when I learned about Dogma 95 in college, yeah, it blew my mind. It's and amazing, I, right? Like because, yeah. because Fiston and the idiots are so good. Yeah. Like uh, I, I, like I think Julian Donkey Boy is the only other one I've seen. I've seen Italian for Beginners as well. Uh, that seems familiar. Yeah, there. Fiston is Fiston is the reason the Dogma 95 experience was so good because that film is phenomenal. The reason um, for the season. It is the reason for the season, and. Um, you know, like, so Vinterberg's interest in human beings is really phenomenal. Like, whereas Von Trier tends to be more, much more interested in philosophy and ideas. Um, at the, at the, look, I love Lars Von Trier, but he is, he is, he is quite possibly insane. Um, maybe in a kind of delightful way, but, but, wow. and he has made some of my favorite films. Um, but I think, you know, Vinterberg is much more interested in the kind of humanity of it all. And, and I think to that extent, there is this sort of like joyous spirit in this movie that I did respond to, that I did like, that I did feel like connected to. And I did feel, this is the other thing, because my wife and I watched it together and she was like, it was, the words she used, I recall, was like, it was so wonderful to see a movie about grown up problems. You know, like she—that's the way she described it. She said, "Yeah, okay." It was like it was delightful to watch a movie about grown-ups having grown-up problems and like still be joyous and fun. You know, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, By the way, she uh, Shivali snuck in while you were talking, and I didn't—I didn't want to stop you in your train of thought, so I ducked—I ducked out very quickly. But she handed me another a drink, and she handed me a chocolate (laughs) martini. So I'm on. Yeah, I'm on my second drink right now. No, no, no! You're on your third drink. No, I'm on my second drink. 
No, she handed you a chocolate martini before you talked about it. No, that chocolate martini was last night when I watched the movie. No, I'll go back at listeners. I'm going to listen to this too. And maybe I'll be like, oh no, I'm wrong. But you said she snuck in during a conversation earlier before this, like 30 minutes ago and dropped you off a chocolate martini. I think I said she she was going to drop me off a chocolate martini. And I don't think, I don't actually don't think you did. Maybe who knows? Take bets. Maybe I'm, maybe we're already too gone to know. I'm at 0.7 right now. Who knows? You Uh, don't know. We couldn't (laughs) afford the breathalyzer. (laughs) Don't pretend like, you know, um, I, I get I get what you're discussing. I I get the the the, the and, and what Shivali saw the story for adults that makes total sense. But and that's why I think I gravitated towards the moments when they were outside of the experiment because that's when they were acting like adults. Right. <laughs> and the rest was like like kind of like idiot children which yeah. i guess is cool <laughs> i don't know I, I maybe this is my own uh relationship with alcohol talking um mm. i i see alcohol as a loan a loan you are uh you are taking uh, you you're if let's let's pretend for a moment that your that good times like when you are having good times or good feelings or whatever is a is a resource alcohol is taking like you're basically like taking future good times and using them all to make a one time in the present even better because later on you will have to pay either physically mentally emotionally for your good time you had before and there's ways to mitigate it just like you can take loans to start businesses and and have them be successful and not be destructive but there's a lot of loopholes and pitfalls that you can fall into (laughs) and this experiment (laughs) just sort of broke that mold for me because not even the experiment itself just the way they handled it and the movie presented it right um and, and again, and again, I don't want to, I no. do not want to poo-poo this movie. I think it is very well made and the performances are stellar and there's a lot of love and care put behind it. But I think it has a a, a solid structural problem when it's based around this study and characters doing it that actually don't really care about that thing or they drop it very quickly at least from a point of prominence when in the beginning it is like everything right um i i guess that's kind of my final thought yeah uh i i i I don't what i would like is for people to still watch this movie preferably people with different experiences with alcohol from you or i shahir Mm mm-hmm and I'd love to hear about your thoughts about this film, OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Please let us know because I think something like this, this is an interesting, this is an inter- interesting cinematic touch point mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure, even if you don't drink, everyone has a personal relationship with alcohol. And I think that personal relationship with alcohol and watching characters go through something like that is going to the mileage is going to vary depending on your own personal experiences more than other topics p- possibly mm. um and i'd be very interested for people that are uh teetotalers for people that are fucking weekend warriors like whatever whatever for people that 
are, are drinking at two on a Tuesday. Like, I, I want to know how this movie affects you and if you have the same problems as I did or if they are completely gone. Like, that interests me. Right. Um, and I, anyway. And, and I think, you know, like, there's an extent, look, obviously I don't want to besmirch your experience. That is your experience of the film, and I don't want to suggest that that is uh, an incorrect experience. Because, again, you like you... have a different one. Yeah. Like you, I also found that there are moments when um, uh, it feels like the story is less... It, it, there's, there's far more to explore in terms of the what happens to these characters and how their relationships actually work. Yeah, um, I would I, like to see more, yeah. I, I, I did find on a second viewing, uh, there was just a richer undercurrent to it all, which is that I felt the relationships between the characters more. It's not explained, but I felt... You know, like, there were little details like Tommy's, um, you know, Tommy's old old dog that is like near death oh yeah and and the fact that like he's wearing mismatched socks and you know martin points it out and he says look nobody's gonna care because he's been living alone you know he's divorced now and he's constantly you know and he says to martin i'm rooting for you and annika because your success as a marriage validates to me the idea like he doesn't say this but like what we feel is like your success as a relationship validates the idea that relationships can work when a mind has failed so miserably you know so like i I think in a second viewing, I felt all of that more. And again, it's not explained. Um, But uh, there's a weird thing, which is that I think there's a lot of conversations about the relationship that this film has to alcohol and alcoholism. But I feel like it's not that... Like, alcohol is the mechanism by which the film begins. It is not the mechanism by which the film ends. And it is, it, 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 as you've kind of described as well, it's also an idea that the film kind of lets go of fairly quickly. And I don't think the film is really, you know, taking a morality. It's not a morality tale about alcohol or alcoholism. It's about these four characters, their relationships and their midlife crisis. And to that extent, it's a very soft and gentle film. It is very it, it, like that's that's the other way I describe it. It's a very gentle Kind of, even though one character ultimately commits suicide or dies or in some way with alcohol, the film kind of has a very gentle spirit about it, which is that it also feels like it's not heavy handed, which I kind of, which I really enjoyed. And again, I don't want to make too much about um, Vinterberg's personal tragedy as as a framework device for the film. We, you know, we, there's a, there's a challenge with, um, Zack Snyder's justice league of doing the same thing, you know, like the, of, 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 of framing the, the reading of the film around the personal, the, the director's personal story. But there is like, if, if we were to read it that way as a, as a reflection of, you know, like navigating life and, and, you know, like, again, it, you know, you can read about, uh, you know, Vinterberg talks about this openly. Uh, his daughter was reading the script and would give him notes. And she, you know, like she, she was a frequent, um, um, he would send her drafts and things like that. And then she passed away, I think in a car accident, um, just before they started filming. And, you know, the way he describes it was, um, that, making the movie just kind of kept him alive as as he was going through the worst part of his life. Um, you know, and it was just a way to kind of like find joy and find moments in his real life. And and like sure. I, I think 
even even if we were to use that as a loose framing, it does suggest sort of a gentleness, a gentle spirit about it. You know, there's a gentleness about the way this film treats its characters and treats its audience. It's it's a you know the Festin, the celebration is a is a bit of a misnomer of a title, but this film feels like a celebration uh, with an equal measure of life is a tragedy and a comedy and joyous all at the same time and that can be that 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 is what the spirit of life is and i think i i responded to that side of it more i i 100 agree with your comments that that the film ultimately belies the schematic that it sets up uh you know somewhere you know somewhere along the lines um and doesn't interrogate those ideas as fully and as thoroughly um as it could have yeah. but but i still respond to Mads Mikkelsen jazz dancing. It's like, I mean, who, you know, who like, doesn't? And the end of the movie is gorgeous and wonderful. And yeah. like, it's and then, funny, but yeah. it, it almost tricked me, but I was like, well, I, I don't know. But, I, the, I, yeah. you know, there's a spirit to that ending as well that I think is, like, yeah. magnificent. You know, like, it's this idea that, you know, like, and, and also, you, you know, I think I, I got this the second time around more as well, is, like, watching it with the context of, like, he has just lost his best friend, but his wife has come back to him, and he's not been able to dance since he was a young man, and now he dances. Yep. And, you know, like, it's just this sort of, like, life sucks, but we can still dance. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I like that's, that. that's, that's a, that's a, <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, again, that ending is lovely, and I love the sentiment behind it, and I think life sucks, but we can still dance should be on my fucking tombstone. <laughs> but, like, uh... Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I wish the, the, I wish personally for me, I connected with the ride to get to that very cathartic moment more. Right. Uh, I, but I, again, I, no, again, side note, don't disagree with anything you're saying. I just, you know, I, this is one of those ones where like, I can see both sides, but I felt one of them. <laughs> you know what uh, I described it in my notes? Well, it's like a really gentle, lovely fight club. This is this movie just like reminded me of like the gentle inversion of Fight Club with like four men deciding to like try this experiment and just like, dancing at the end of, of it. Instead of a yeah, instead of a actual Fight Club, it's just exchanging warm towels. Yeah, um, Jack's medulla oblongata actually just emits joy. Wow, wow. I, I am Jack's crippling alcoholism. Um, anyway, everybody, this has been the only podcast about the film Another Round. Uh, Shahir, when you are not being delivered gourmet <laughs> cocktails in your fucking closet, where can folks find you? You know, they say a rich man, um, <laughs> the richest man alive is the one who can have cocktails delivered to his closet. <laughs> you can find me starting a closet hour cocktail delivery service at my website, www.shahirdown.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are defining ways to illegally import absinthe into your apartment, where can people find you? You can find me finishing this drink right now, finally. Here we go. <laughs> I'm on my second, and I don't even drink. Yeah, but I guarantee you, mine is stronger. That's not a brag. That's a warning. Uh, at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-A-G-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or PSN or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Um, also, please check out the good works we are doing over on Extra Credits uh, this week. 
Uh, by the time this drops, you will have uh, ooh, the episode, the second episode of the Jewish Pirates series. It's so I'm very curious so about these good. Jewish Pirates. I Please think watch it, Shahir. It's so fucking interesting and amazing. Our writer Robert Rath just found uh, wonderful stories that, like, I don't think have been told much. Right. Uh, before, or at least in in an, uh, in an animated format, uh, and then also we did an episode, an extra credits episode on uh, why making easy modes aren't easy, uh, like uh, the the difficulties that can happen with easy modes and how uh, are the conversation around easy modes can shift in different ways. So, what's a game um, that you had to switch on easy mode? Oh, interesting. Um, uh. Not one in recent history, but sometimes I put them I, like, for instance, Doom Eternal. Mm-hmm. I threw on an easier mode that I, I normally just do everything on normal. I'm not like yeah, I'm, I'm a normal. Oh, yeah, I like the game uh, normal. But like, I kind of just wanted to like have the power fantasy and slide through the game faster than I thought. I didn't have a lot of time, right. so I did set that to either easy or not the easiest one. But I probably should have just because I want like I don't know. I think that's probably the one. Right. Um, it's funny because I I, I I bought Strider on like a, a like yep. a two dollar sale, mm-hmm. and I'm like tempted to switch that to easy mode. Switch it like, easy. Here's yeah. the truth: <laughs> Doom trained us wrong. The original Doom, uh, with with its I forget what it was called, but like it basically like insulted you, like cry <laughs> to your mama or like some sort of like naming convention about easy modes, and we've all internalized it. Play games however you want to play games. <laughs> Just do it. Well, whatever makes you happy. Rock and roll. Well, what, this next question is not going to make you happy. Um, what is your game uh, companion to another round? <sighs> Let's go. Uh, what's a game that central conceit is interesting but doesn't connect? Control. Oh, okay. The game Control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been curious by Control. I heard like a, a few friends it's, have really I'm recommended having- it. I am interested in it more, so much more than I want to play it, and I think that's. I, I've started it, and I'm like, I've talked to uh, uh, my buddy Arthur, who's our community manager over at Extra Credits, and he's been playing it on stream, and he's like, "Yeah, I get it. I don't know. Like, I, I keep like, I keep sitting down to play it, and then I'm like, oh, but Spider Man. Like, I, I just, I, I can't get, I can't get into it, and I want to so badly. So yeah, I think Control might just from a, from an experiential like." I see the value but can't connect with it sort of way. I've got to double check this, but I, I have been getting requests to like c- continue with the Criterion Corner with this. Do it! Um, so we can stop doing this video game shit <laughs> well, that you make Criterion me do. Well, the Criterion companion that I would do, and it is it is a out-of-print Criterion film, but oh, one course. that we've probably all seen uh, is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, oh, yeah. would be my Would be my companion film to this because the scene with Benicio Del Toro and Johnny Drip Johnny Drip, uh, Johnny. Let's just call him Johnny Drip. <laughs> Johnny Drip. Um, consume pure adrenaline. I believe it is. Is <laughs> madness. These fucking bats. The bats. This is bad country, baby. <laughs> yeah. What a great Avenge Sevenfold song. Oh, okay. It's been a while. A deep cut. <laughs> yeah, hey, so, so oh, next, next week. Next, next week. week. So let's talk we've about got, next got week choices live here. on air. We do have choices. One is the Academy Awards. <laughs> Two is Mortal Kombat. Yeah. What would be the game companion to Mortal Kombat? Just out of curiosity. Uh, oh, it'd be Street Fighter. Yeah. Of um, but no, it'd be Super Virtua Mario Fighter. Brothers. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so I don't know what to do. I want to be part. Okay, so here's the truth. I want to <laughs> be part want Mortal Kombat. Don't I want Mortal Kombat. It. I want to be part of the discourse on Mortal Kombat because I don't think it's going to be good. 
What if it's But amazing? I want it. I hope it is. Yeah. I, I, have, like, I have no expectations, and I'm like, my only, I, I don't know what I want from a Mortal Kombat movie. Like, I want the original. I uh, think the original is a perfect video game film. We've done panels about this year. <laughs> I, I, I really do. It's not, it's cheese times a thousand, but like, that's what Mortal Kombat is to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you make it hyper grimdark, I hope this doesn't make it all grimdark. Like, it should be, it, look, Mortal Kombat's violent, and you can have violence in your movie, probably more than the original Mortal Kombat with one drip of blood from Liu Kang's lip when Shang Tsung fights him at the end of the movie. But, <laughs> I don't need it to be like hyper serious. In fact, I don't think it should be. Uh, like, is this it? Is I, a... I don't think it is. Right? Like, like from what I understand of the film, the, I think it's well, like playing into the sort of. You haven't watched the trailers. The trailers kind of try to make it into like an Ulta epic, and like I, I, I can't tell. I can't. What tell. is an Ulta epic? Like something super serious. That's okay. like a Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, okay. uh, like, uh, you know. So like. I don't know. I, I I want I want there to be some You're levity. You're gonna in watch it. it, right? Like I mean, oh, a hundred and twenty thousand percent, and so, we're gonna so, do it on the podcast. But it's a it's a matter of when. <laughs> um, do it as a Twitch stream. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I want to do it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but so next week you will either hear because when are the Oscars? I think the Oscar are the Oscars this weekend. I don't know. I'm at zero point seven percent right now. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> you don't have a breathalyzer. Stop making up numbers. I also don't know what is coming out right now because we are in that sort of what would traditionally be the February dumping ground. I guess because after the Oscars we are now in the April dumping ground. But you know what? You know what I like is that. There's a lot of movies on VOD that we could watch and talk about. And we should, again, nobody pays us to do this podcast, so we can do whatever the fuck we want, which is that we should do movies that we want to talk about. And like hopefully Kombat. our audience will follow us along. They like probably Mortal won't. Kombat. <laughs> like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Anyway. Brant over. Write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what movie we should do next week, if it should be the Oscars or it should be Mortal Kombat. I know for a fact- Get over here to our website. Most of you you are going to vote for Mortal Kombat. I know it's happening. I have my one joke about Mortal Kombat, and I'll tell it on the episode. Oh, you're going to save it? Good. I think I've told it before. I'm the sure only you joke have, I but have. save it. Yeah. Save it. Save it. <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been the only podcast about movies. Thank you so much for listening to our inane ramblings about a film. We'll do it again. Won't you come with us? Won't you join us? Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.